All right, once again, we are learning how to become an overcomer by looking at scripture and learning about people who have overcome great obstacles and trials in their life through the power of God. And when I think about an overcomer, I think about David, who eventually is going to be King David. The Bible is full of stories of David, about his writings, and we know that he's a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. I hope you are a person after God's own heart. And today I want to tell the story of David and Goliath, and I've entitled this message, Shooting Straight, Knocking Down the Bullies in Your Life. But as I came up with this title, I need to say from the onset and give really a warning about this message somewhat, wars and, and battles and killing and beheading in individuals, not for the faint of heart. Also, I don't want you to get a wrong idea by my title. Also, we're not saying to kill or to shoot bullies or rise up against any type of government or people or person. I want to be very clear about this. We're not promoting violence, but we are promoting and telling a biblical story uh, where a young boy shot a stone and killed a giant and who wanted to frighten him and hurt him and destroy him and harm him and enslave him and the Israelite people, God's chosen people to the nations. In fact, Goliath, if he could, would have destroyed David right there on the spot. But David got to him first. And this was a wartime act. You need to understand that. And war is ugly. There's no, there's no glory in war. I don't think so. War is ugly. And people get hurt, maimed, and even killed. And while we might not always be in a physical battle, we are always in some kind of spiritual battle. You need to understand that. And this story... While on the surface seems to be an earthly battle between uh, two different people, or kings or warriors, this for sure is a spiritual battle. And it will need a supernatural God to overcome this giant and this situation. And where there is sin in one's life, it needs to be purged, it needs to be dealt with, and it needs to be overcome in Christ Jesus. And when you face your giants in life and situations that are greater than us, we need a supernatural help. And when we face bullies and situations that are beyond our control, we need help and often supernatural help as well. David and Goliath is a story about good and evil, about conquering giants that are larger than life, life's problems. It's a story uh, that is relevant today as it was centuries ago. We face giants and bullies in life and we face obstacles that in many ways have stopped us from going forward in faith and walking and working in our calling. And you know that as well, that there's things that have blocked and hindered you from doing the things that God has called you to do. And we still have problems and situations that are large and too large to face by ourselves. And we need a supernatural God to intervene and help us to be overcomers. Hallelujah. Praise his name. And while we might feel alone, we're not alone. And when we take a stand for, for righteousness and holiness, when we take a stand of righteousness in the process, God will stand up for you as well. And while many times uh, we simply uh, want the bullies and the situations to leave us alone, often they will taunt us and they will bother us and, and they will hang around way longer than any of us want them to hang around. But remember, if God goes with us into battle, we're never alone. Amen. Though you might feel alone, you are not alone. And when we confront our giants and win the day, we are also 
encouraging many other people along the way in the process to be overcomers as well and overcome their fears. And they, hopefully, God willing, will press on and continue uh, to rise up and, and to fight these giants in their lives as well. Now, I know that you seated and you're comfortable. Stand up one more time for the reading of God's word, if you can. Here we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we'll be reading, beginning or reading at verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer and closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed him, cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, and I love this, you come against me with the sword, the spear, and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And this day the Lord will hand you over and to me, and I'll strike you down, and I will cut off your head. He's prophesying here. Today I will give you a carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Church, when you do your work, I pray that the whole world will start to know that there is a God in Israel, that there is a God who lives in you, that there is a God who still reigns in America. Hallelujah. God reigns in our hearts and minds. Yeah, give him a... Yeah, you can... It's okay to clap. It's okay to make some noise in church. Hallelujah. Verse 47, all those gathered here will know that this is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord says for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine. With a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, he struck the, down the Philistine and he killed him. And then David ran and stood over him. And he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his scapegoat. And after he killed him and he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines, when the enemy saw that their hero was dead, they took to flight. And they turned and they ran as bullies often do. When you're in a God's army, your size, your stature, your strength doesn't matter because the Lord will give you power. The Lord will give you authority. The Lord will give you wisdom. The Lord will give you strength and you operate in his strength and he will help you to overcome the strongholds in your life. Oh God, we pray for this message. Lord, we, we are reminded, Lord God, that size and strength doesn't matter, but what matters is that we are walking in your authority, oh God. Bless this word today, I, I pray. Give us wisdom. Give us a greater understanding of your words, Lord, so that we might take action and be bold saints of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah! Praise the name of the Lord. Now, as we continue in this, this chapter of 17 of 1 Samuel, let's, let's remember a few things. This idea of overcomer, of overcoming, is really a military term, which means to conquer, to overpower, to overtake, to, over, to overthrow. And while times we are overcome with fear and anxiety, sickness and, and depression, 
right? That's not what God wants for us, and we need to understand that we're all called to be overcomers in Christ Jesus. And 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 through 5 says it this way, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. Now you see, Satan wants to throw roadblocks in our way. He wants to place giants and situations that seem so large that there's no way out. There's no way to overcome. And our mind starts playing tricks on us. And when this happens, fear and, and despair takes over. Loss of vision and mission takes over. And it seems that these obstacles fall into three main groups. Sin, Satan, and society. And our attraction to the world and, and our, our attraction to culture is what I'm calling society. But God has called us to be overcomers. Yeah. And anything that Satan uh, has for us, anything that his minions have for us, can be overthrown in, in the power and the authority of God. Hallelujah. But we must first be saved if we want to be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Why? Because these battles are mostly supernatural ones. And we are powerless to fight these, uh, these giants, these seemingly larger than uh, life situations that we only are using natural weapons. And so many of us are fighting in the natural and not in, with spiritual weapons. Now as we dive deeper into the story, it seems that David shot the giant with a stone. Killed him on the spot and game over, story ends. But we know it doesn't end there. David, in a sense, was an expert marksman. And we're going to touch on this a little bit, but as the story emerges, we see that David, uh, while he practiced, while he learned, while he studied, while he developed his skill sets, he, he did not glory in himself. He didn't glory in his skill sets. He gave all glory and honor to God the Father. Hallelujah. And we know that this, uh, this shows David's heart of humility. His heart and humility. Right? Before God and others. And as we go through the story, it's clear that, the, that talent, natural talent, can take you only so far in life. But, but it's God who carries you over the finish line. It's God who brings you to the end. It's God who gives you the breath. It's God who gives you the ability. It's God who gives you all your talents. It's God who makes us victorious. Goliath, with all his natural strength and with all his military training and with all his, his massive weaponry and support, he's no match for this young uh, shepherd boy who just has a sling and a rock. And remember this, that God plus you makes a mighty person and an overcomer. Hallelujah. And we can accomplish more in one day than, than the world can accomplish in a week. When God is with us and for us. When he's with us and for us, who can be against us and when we're in Christ Jesus born again believers we are on the winning team and says who is that overcomes the world well first Jesus does at, at the cross he conquers the grave death death has no hold on him and three days later he arises and so Satan now has no hold on him but neither does he have a hold on us as well we are now conquerors as well how through Jesus Christ, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony. Reference, Revelation 12, verse 11. He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God will be an overcomer. Trusting in God's word. Holding on to him. Proclaiming his words. Trusting in him. 
being encouraged by him, loving him. You see, this goes beyond intellect. This goes beyond mental understanding. This is a heart issue. This is a heart issue. We believe in him, we trust in him, we love him, we place our confidence in him, and therefore we are devoted to him and dedicate our lives and everything that we have and everything that we are and everything that we own to him. And then as we grow in our faith and our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, our confidence starts to build stronger and stronger and we start to overcome the evil one. We start to overcome these spiritual beings, these spiritual enemies in Christ Jesus. In John chapter 2, verse 14, for those who might be taking some notes, 1 John 2, verse 14 says, I will write you, young man, because you are strong. And the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome who? The evil one, it says. So many things that we face in the world will not be overcome alone apart from God. Okay, with this in mind, let's, let's, we, we see that the Philistines are, uh, in the story, are gathering their forces for war. They're going against Saul and the Israelite armies and they assemble in the valley of Elah. Each side uh, occupied a hill and they have a face-off here. And Goliath and his crew on one side and the Israelite army on the other side. And throughout history, the Philistines um, were, were, were constant enemies of Israel. And each day for 40 days, we see Goliath would approach the valley and, and start yelling and, at, at Saul and his army. And he would taunt them and say, choose a man and have them come down to me. Verse 9, if he's able to fight and kill, kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and you will serve us. And the Philistine says, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let him fight each other. Oh, hearing the Philistine words, Saul and all, all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were frightened, they were scared. Now Goliath was a giant, even by today's standard. He's the champion of Gath and of the Philistines, and he was six, around six cubits which, tall, which is about nine feet tall. Historically, the people of Gath seemed to be large people. Joshua 11, verse 22, makes reference to the Anakites living in Gath during the, the days of Joshua, which were 400 years prior to this event. And so the men of Gath may have continued to be these young, long, these, these long-necked Anakites, these Nephilim, these tall giants of unusual size and strength. Goliath's armor and weapons together weighed about 150 to 200 pounds, and he carried a sword and a spear and a javelin. He, he wore a bronze helmet and a coat made of armor scales. And he had his own shield, uh, shield bearer who went before him. And Goliath was military trained and a fighter, the word of God says, since he was a youth. So basically, Goliath is a force to reckon with. And naturally, no man is really ready to, to no average person is ready to fight this guy let alone a shepherd boy. He's a champion of Gath, and he was coming against the people of God. Now back in Bethlehem, there's a man, Jesse, and he has sons, and his youngest son was David. And so as the story develops, we learn that Jesse had eight sons, and three were battle age, ready, and part of Saul's army, while David was home, home alone maybe. He was home watching his father's flock. 
Now, there's also two important things that I want to draw out in actually chapter 16, but we're not going to read it in full. But let me, let me explain this. David was anointed with oil by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. And I'm sure his family and his brothers were not pleased with this or with him. He wasn't even invited to this gathering of, of Samuel who came to anoint him next king. And the Lord reminds Samuel in verse 7 of chapter 16, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Regarding David's older brother. Why? Why is he saying this? Because the Lord doesn't look at the things that man does. Right? Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And eventually they will get to David. And the Lord said to Samuel, Rise and anoint David. Rise and anoint him. He is the one. And Samuel obeys, and David is anointed the next king. We also learn in chapter 16 that Saul was rejected by God because of his sin of disobedience. And from that time on, the spirit of the Lord departed from him, and an evil spirit tormented him. But the Lord was with David, and the Lord continued to be with David. Now, over time, David was brought to a, uh, the palace to play his harp, and Saul would feel better. And then he would go back to watching his sheep. So basically, Paul is on retainer with the palace. If they call him, he would come. Now, David's father, Jesse, asked him to go bring some food to his brothers and the commanders of the unit and to find out what was happening with his brothers, Jesse's son. And I love this portion of scripture in, in verse 20 of 1 Samuel 17. Early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed him, his father. He reached the camp as the time was going out to this battle position, shouting the war cry. David, see, David's not a slacker. David got up early in the morning to start his day. He found someone to cover his, his work when he wasn't going to be around because he was going to be absent. And he did what his father directed him. You don't hear him complaining. You don't hear him say, not my job, not my problem, right? What, you know, or whatever. He got up early and he went to work. He did his job. Uh, David was a doer. David, David took initiative. And remember, as we're faithful with little things and those little details, often things that no one sees and no one's watching, God will be faithful and God will get your back and bless you. So David shows up right when Goliath starts to taunt the Israelites. And notice the men ran. The Israelites ran in fear. They were terrified. And today I wonder what you are facing that causes you to run and hide in fear. What giants or situations of, of life are you facing that, that you allow to bring you down and, and, and take you off mission? Will you capitulate and surrender and, and give up to it? Or will you stand up and hold the line and, 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 and fight back? Many Christians today have lost their ability to fight and stand up for righteousness. We see it in their lifestyle. We see it in their voting. We see it in their politics. And we see it in how they treat, how they treat people and deal with issues. The Israelite army was fearful and dismayed. The word of God is like saying they're terrified. Can you blame them? Goliath was a giant. He was fierce. And then when you put on all his military garb and he has all his weaponry with him, He's even, he's even more massive and just a greater uh, uh, looking enemy. But it was the mocking, it was the taunting that I believe did the most damage initially. 
You see, that taunting created fear in people's heart. A battle is often won and lost in the hands and hearts of the people long before a shot is fired or a weapon is lifted. Fear will often stop you in your tracks. Fear often takes away your ability to think straight, to think clearly. And many have given in to sin, Satan, and society's demands and expectations. Many battles have been won without lifting a finger. The contest or the battle is often won with words before it's won with weapons. The people were defeated. The people were demoralized before a sword was lifted. You get the point? You see, it's a tactic of the enemy to stop you before you even start. And it's still functionally working that same way today. And then if you decide to proceed anyway, in spite of it, those words, those fear tactics will mess with your mind. But not David. David has his own battle cry. And I believe it was one Wednesday night when, when Bruce spoke about battle cries. And he was like, what's your battle cry? And what's, it's a great question to think about. What motivates you? What moves you? What words do you speak over yourself and over your life and over your family and the people around you? What words are encouraging that you speak? We're reminded over and over again to be overcomers. More than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I keep saying you were overcomers to remind you, but also because it's true. It is true. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, if we say it enough times over and over again, we'll start to believe it as well. And when confronted with adversity, instead of running away or allowing fear to rule the day, we rise up, we stand up, we, we start praying, and we put on our armor of God, and we march forward in faith. Yes. Now the devil uses these various strategies and tactics to take us off track. And fear is a big one. And having us focus on, the, on words that are filled with lies and hates and, and half-truths, it's one of his schemes. This is called mental war, right? Mental war is a big thing, and many of us have lost the battle in our hearts and our minds. We see this being played out through the media, through big tech companies, Telling people, hey, they're sick, they're defeated, they're not loving, they're, they're bad people, they're irresponsible and incapable of making the right decisions. And then over and over again, you keep hearing that and then you become a sick, defeated people yourself. Joyce Meyer, several years ago, wrote a book called The Battlefield of the Mind. And you see, winning that battle is so important. And so many people have lost the battle in their mind long before they ever stand up to fight. And while I read that book many years ago, one of, the, one of the things that stood out to me for sure is how we, how we think affects what we do. How we think affects what we do. Now you know at church that I'm not a name it and claim it type preacher or prosperity guy, but there's something about knowing your identity in Christ Jesus. There's something about it. something about what you think affects you in so many ways. How you live, how you act, how you behave. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus and, and who we have access to and to whom should change the way we think and change the way we behave. For example, you are a child of God. We are priests and ministers. We are called out ones, right? We are the church of God. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We have access to the Lord's provision and his bounty and is very good and he's a very generous God. And yes, we ought to name and claim that. Hallelujah. You should, there should be hallelujah on your lips. There should be praises on your lips. There should be amen and amen and yay. 
And as we walk in the, in the Spirit's power and authority. And remember, 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 1 reminds us that God has not given us a fear of, of timidity, but of power and love and, and, and sound mind or, or self-discipline. You see, the Lord wants us to rely on Him. To pray, to seek His face for wisdom, direction, for power and authority. But if, if you think He can't answer, if you think He won't answer, if you think you're not worthy enough to be answered, then you are already defeated in your heart and in your mind. And so there's a great battle that takes place in our mind. And now when you receive Jesus and commit your life over to him, you can do that anytime while you're breathing, while you're alive on planet earth, just speak to him from your heart, invite him into your life, ask him to forgive you, and, and you will have a heart, a transformation of your life. He will save you, but your mind is not necessarily immediately changed. That's why the Bible tells us to renew our mind daily, to meditate on God's words day and night. Because our mind takes time to, to be an overcomer, to be changed, to overcome our fears, our, our, our anger, our hate, our prejudices, to, to overcome our negative ideas and bad behaviors and years of abuse and years of wrong type of thinking. It takes time to heal. It doesn't just fix itself alone immediately. Even the world knows this. It takes time to heal the mind and change behaviors. Now the Lord can do this immediately. We know that. He tells us to meditate on his words though. Right? To renew our mind. He tells us to do this. Because, because he wants us part of the process. If you ever read the book uh, Sun Tzu, The Art of War, most military people and martial artists have, have done that. And you know, I've been doing martial arts for a long time. You can tell from Body Beautiful, but that's another story. Um, a lot of pasta eat now and forget it. But anyway, um, many have studied those strategies and those, and those things. And this book gives you different um, situations and sayings that, that before you go into battle, almost like a battle cry, he will win who knows when to fight and when not to fight. Ponder and deliberate before you make a move. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. And while many of these sayings, because a list of them are, are so interesting, right? I say know thyself. Know who you are. Know who your God is. Know what he, is, he has called you to do and know what he is capable of doing for you and has done for you. Hallelujah. We serve the living God, the King of kings yes. and the Lord of lords. There's none like him. He's the most powerful being ever, right? All knowing, right? All seeing, right? He is God of God. There is no one like him and he can deliver you just through the spoken word and he wants us to be involved in the battle as well. We need to show up. Get to work and show up. And be in his presence. And we will have the victory. Woo! I need a breath. Oxygen is free. Hallelujah. Identity is so important. And how you see yourself and think about yourself is so important. But more importantly is what God thinks about you. John 3, 16, we know it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. God loves us greatly, so much so that he sent his son into the world to save us, not condemn us. But so many have rejected his wisdom, his words, his witness, and so they remain lost. And if they reject him, and they reject his words, 
They're already defeated. They're already defeated in their head, in their hearts, and mind. And so regardless of what the battle is that they face, right? Their end is death and shame and separation from a holy God. But with Christ, everything changes. The atmosphere changes. The environment you start walking in becomes different. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to win every battle autom automatically and immediately. But it does mean that he's with you. It does mean that he's for you. It does mean that you have a future, a great future, a great today going out into the future. Eternity is insecure with him. Now, while David is listening to Goliath and pondering the reactions of Saul and his army, I wonder if this thought ever came to mind. Why isn't Saul stepping out to fight this beast, this Goliath? 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2 says that Saul is an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the other, any of the others. So he was probably the qualified one to fight Goliath based on his size. But Saul kind of lost his way. And 1 Samuel 10 verse 22 even tells us when he was anointed king that he hid himself among the baggage. So courage was not something high on his list. We know that Saul fought. We know that he wore his armor. But why wasn't he taking a stand and stepping out to fight Goliath? And I think the main reason why is the Spirit of God departed from Saul. And he was fearful. Right? I think that's the main reason he lost his courage. He also knew that his people had no courage. They lost their courage as well. So they're all fearful. They're all frightened. They're all terrified. And when God's presence leaves you, that should be terrifying. When his presence leaves you, your mindset changes. The atmosphere changes. Saul was frightened. But when you're moved and motivated by the Holy Spirit, by the empowering of the Spirit of God, the situation changes. And this, is, and this is where we find David, battle ready, ready to serve, ready to go, ready to, to give, ready to get involved. Now let me quickly tell you a few more things about David. Maybe you want to jot some of this down. Maybe you already know this. Maybe you don't even care. I don't know. But I care, and I want to tell you this. In chapter 16, David was anointed king. He was probably 10 to 15 years old. How old was he when he confronted Goliath? We really don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But we know he wasn't military age yet. So we know that he was under age 20. So scholars believe that he was between 16 and 19 years old. So Saul called him a boy. Goliath called him a boy. Now those two who might be interested, David became king at age 30. And we know from Scripture that he reigned for 40 years according to 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 4. And from that, from that time, David went from being anointed king to being appointed king. Took about 15 years, 15 to 20 years. That's a long time to wait and watch someone else stand in your position. But it's a lesson for all of us as well. When God calls you, he doesn't always mean go right this second. It often means wait. It often means start to prepare, right? Start getting ready. Start praying. Start, start studying. Start Preparing your heart and your mind for the next step. Start getting all your ducks in order. What is it, Lord, that I have to do next? What is it that you're asking me to do? What is it that you need me to do here? It often means serve where you are and be faithful to what God has already given you and placed before you. And this is where we find David. He's, he's confronted by a great obstacle, a, a giant. And now he's getting ready for his next battle and chapter in life. 
And so he looks and listens to the taunts of the enemy. David hears the taunts of the enemy. Now neither the people or the king are willing to stand up to Goliath. Fear has ruled the day. Now I think it's important so to see and hear what's happening before we take any kind of action. Too often I think people jump into someone else's fight. They really don't know what's happening and they mind other people's business and they misunderstand the context of what's happening. Too often we judge, too often we condemn others, right? And David sees and hears these taunts for himself and appraises the situation and now he will proceed by faith and in God's authority. But first David hears the reward from Saul. And listen to what Saul says and he will do to the one who kills Goliath. He mentions three things in verse 25. He will give him great wealth, he will give him his daughter in marriage, and he will give his father family tax-exempt status. I think that's great, right? You'll get cash, you'll get princess, and tax-free money. Hey, that's a good day. I, I got mine already, all right? I got my princess already. But, but, but you must defeat Goliath. Amen. I'll give an amen to myself for that moment. Yeah, I love you, babe. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, don't laugh. It ain't funny. But here's the thing. You must defeat Goliath first. You must defeat the giant. You must defeat the enemy. David's ears perk up to the reward. But you see, David's brother does so too. So he tries to knock David down and insult him. He says to David, why have you come here? And whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? See, these words are meant to hurt David and to silence David. These words were meant to belittle him and make him feel tiny and small and insignificant. And... This is how David responds, with more passion, with more purpose, with more laser-sharp vision. He won't be intimidated. So David hears Goliath and counters the, uh, the fear of men. David is on a mission from God. He's not, only going to, he's not going to allow his brothers or others or even Saul's armor to get in the way of what he has to do. He's not going to allow man's words to take him off his God mission. He has a heart after God, not man. He cares what God cares about. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of, of the living God? You see, David saw things from God's perspective and Saul and the armies saw things from man's perspective. David was emboldened and basically David said, if no one wants to go out, if no one wants to fight this giant, I will. I will go. Lord, send me. Send me. Lord, here I am. Send me. I will go. Utilize me. Here I am. I will go. Church, the world can hurt us through their words. The world wants to stop us from doing what God has called us to do. The world wants to defeat us. Words can defeat us. Words can deflate us. Words can keep us down. Words can make us lose heart. And no longer want to fight the good fight. We can lose focus. We can lose ambition. We can lose our passion. And we can lose our purpose because someone spoke a bad word over you. You're no good. You're, you're not good enough. You haven't measured up enough. You lose heart. You lose motive. But David's motive and heart was right with God and before God. But his brother's heart was wrong, was weak, and didn't align with God's words. And with God's purposes. You see, he thought that David just wanted to see a fight. Yeah, 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 they're fighting. Everyone gather, he's fighting. No, that's not what David wanted. 
David was like, I want to be in a fight. I want to help. Or at least I want to see God's people victorious. So David pushes back. David was more concerned with God's concern and causes and says, is, not, is there not a cause? Or can I even speak? This is not just about his own agenda, but God's agenda. Spurgeon said it this way, Many a man meets with more trouble from his friends than from his enemies. And when he has learned to overcome the depressing influence of prudent friends, he makes short work of the opposition of avowed adversaries. For David, the biggest part of the battle is one right there in his heart and his mind before God and others. This only made him mentally more stronger and more committed to fight Goliath. So David steps up in confidence. David steps up in confidence. But the odds are still against him basically in the natural. But he knew who he was fighting for. He was fighting for God. He was fighting for himself. He was fighting for his country. He was fighting for the lives of others. And he knew that God had his back. Saul tries to give him his armor. But it didn't fit right. We need to make sure that we wear our armor. Not someone else's. So many people want to wear someone else's armor. So many people want to walk in someone else's authority and someone else's responsibility. Some, you know, there's people that want to come in your house and tell you how to raise your own children. Right? There's so many people trying to walk in someone else's authority. But it doesn't work that way. God has given us power. God has given us talents. God has given us abilities. God has given each one of us gifts and responsibilities. Be who you are. In Christ Jesus. Highlight that. Write that down. Be who you are in Christ Jesus. Don't try to be someone else. Be who God created you to be. You be you. But let me be clear when I say stuff like that. This is not an excuse to sin. Sin is sin. Don't make your sinfulness and your shamefulness out to be righteous acts because you say, this is me, me do me, and whatever, like whatever the sayings are. I don't even care about these sayings anymore, right? You get the point. We're all trying to be someone else. Stop it. It's about who you are in Christ Jesus. You identify with Christ Jesus. I don't identify with all these groups out there. We'll, we'll talk about them like I, Q, B, J. I don't know all these different names and labels they put on stuff. We're, we're identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about honoring God. It's about living according to the words of God and to these Holy Scriptures. It's not about the politics. It's not about the culture. It's not about society in a sense. Yeah, we want to be people reaching them for God. So live it out in an honoring way, a scriptural way, a God-honoring way. Live according to God's ways and plans and purposes for your life. Not according to your own idea and feelings and agenda and selfish ambition. No. You live according to God. God's words. God's plans. Now David... Explains why he's qualified. Verse 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, Your servant here, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it down. I rescued the sheep uh, from, from the mouth. Right? Uh, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Verse 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he's, he's prophesying. He, he's, he's speaking life into what he's about to do. Right? 
Uh, your, your servant, your servant is going to do this. Your servant's going to do this because he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. While he gives, a, gives his accomplishments and his resume, he clearly gives the, all the God. He looks to God for, for the glory and the victory. He's, he's looking at God for these things, right? It's God who qualifies. It's God who makes you battle ready. It's God who gives you this skill set. Saul says to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now let me just quickly pause in for a moment and speak to the children, the youth, the, the young adults out there who often feel overlooked. David was a young man, sent out in a way on an adult mission, but he overcame much adversity. He beats the giant in the end. We know this. And so know that with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Don't lose heart. 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, Paul teaches Timothy this. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But be an example. Set an example for the believer in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. Until they come back, devote yourself to the preaching of Scripture, preaching to the reading of scripture and preaching and teaching. Don't neglect your gifts. Ephesians 4 starts talking about equipping the saints. For what? For works of service, to do ministry, right? It's not about their age. It's about their accountability and responsibility and their actions before a holy God. And we are not to look down on our children and young adults. We ought to equip, equip them and release them to do works of service. And maybe one day you'll become a missionary. Maybe one day you'll become a pastor or a teacher or a leader in some sense. Maybe, maybe you want to become a doctor or a lawyer or a CEO or a school teacher or a contractor or a business owner or a laborer. Or whatever it might be before God. But let's train them up and train them in the ways of God and help nurture them and, and with their skills so they become people of God. Mighty warriors for God, ready for battle, ready for whatever comes their way. If we want this next generation, if we want to win this next generation, we need to invest in our children, our youth, and our young adults because the world is winning today in so many ways. My prayer for this church is that we rise up and raise up a generation of people that are willing to go and live out their faith wherever it takes them, locally, globally. Yes. But that call and that desire comes from within. It comes from God. And then the church, the family, the community of believers comes together to help support and nourish them and train them up in the ways of God and the things of God. So many people, they think success just comes overnight. That's just not the case. David prepared for the battles in the field of obscurity. I hope you get that. You see, a break might come overnight, but success comes over time. When you get the break, but you're not prepared for it, it quickly just slips away. And the more that's at stake, the more you should be preparing. But again, this goes beyond natural means. David was faithful in his training, in his working, even when nobody was watching. But we know God was watching. We know God was watching. So remember, don't despise, don't despise small beginnings. And know God is watching you. Wherever you are, God is watching you. You see, if David ran 
right? If he ran, ran away, and didn't fight the lion or the bear, he would not be ready to show up and confront the giant in his life. If David was not faithful with the little things, he would not be faithful with the bigger things. David prepares to fight Goliath in the presence of his king. First, his earthly king. Saul tried to clothe him in his armor, but it didn't work. So he removes that armor and only wears his spiritual armor and goes out in the power and the presence and the authority of his heavenly king with a sling and a stone. David learned to walk in the presence of God wearing only the armor of God. And let me point this out here. You can declare, you can renounce, you can prepare, you can strategize all you want, but if you never take it to the giant, if you never get into the battle, if it's only just talk, we can get in trouble. We gotta get past talking. We, we gotta get past the church. We gotta get to action. I wanna be careful of some of the things I wanna say next, but I think it needs to be said. We can pray and pray and pray, and we should pray and never cease praying. We should ask God for favor and direction and wisdom and know that we are called and know what we are called to do. And we know that the call is a just cause and a just call. But if we're disobedient and action does not follow, then we can miss these opportunities of taking down these giants. Intercessory prayer is so important. And I don't want to discount it in any way, so I don't want to leave you with that. But some people will never make it into the battlefield. And so we're thankful for those um, that really are in the heavenly battle through prayer and praise. And we, we, we must have intercessory prayer. We must to win the battles in life. I, I get that. But too many Christians are staying home or alone or just in their prayer closet when they're called to go out into the world, when they're capable of going out, but they choose not to. Where have we heard that in the stories before, where we're supposed to go out and be fruitful and multiply, but we just rather not. We rather just stay and build our own tower. Many have hidden behind their titles or their fears and have stalled when they should be up in the front lines. David drew near the Philistine. He got closer to Goliath this giant, and then the taunts from the giant grew more fierce. Well, listen up to this. Church, this is going to happen to you. I'm telling you, it's gonna happen, especially when you rise up and you start doing evangelistic work. You see, as we love God and we worship God, we wanna get involved with more evangelism. That should be our heart because we want other people to have what we have. And so we go into the streets, we go into the, to the marketplace, we start doing life and, 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 and God's business. And what's gonna happen is the enemy's taunts and his activity is gonna raise and it's gonna elevate against you. Especially when you're dealing with demons or the, or the demonic, right? Um, they, they might just start manifesting themselves in different ways, in different situations, right? They don't want to go quietly, right? They want to rise up against you and then make some noise. All through scripture, we see what Jesus says, be silent. And he cast them out. But you hold on to the promises of God. You give your battle cry. You rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. You silence those voices and you cause them to flee. And when David, and when Goliath starts cursing David, and he starts coming towards him, 
David doesn't cow down. He gives his battle cry, right? He gives his roar, and he brings the battle right out to him and runs towards him. And David, full of faith, David, full of wisdom and power of God, and the Spirit of God comes out of him. He shouts back at him in, in, with powerful words in verse 45 through 48. Eight, David says to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down. I'll cut off your head. The whole world will know that there is a God. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack David, David ran quickly towards the battle to meet him. He didn't run away. He went forward in faith, full of strength, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it. He struck the Philistine straight in his forehead. The stone sank deep into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. David comes as a representative of God, not on his own. And while, yes, he's a marksman, he's an expert marksman, he relied on God to give him the victory in battle. Not his talent, right? Not his gifts, not his own abilities. His confidence was in the Lord, right? His confidence was in God Almighty. He spoke words over that situation. He gave his battle cry, right? He, he was not going to lose this battle. And this is where Christians so often fail and fall short. They expect God to do all the shooting and the fighting and the work. Remember, God wants us to be part of the miraculous work that he wants to do. We do our part and he will always do his part. This means action. This means go to work, church. Oh, I don't want to work. Well, go to work. It's time for people to get up and go to work and do something significant for the kingdom of God. And when you confront your enemies, don't back down. But prayerfully and carefully go forward in faith. Now remember, the main part of this battle preparation was in the field of obscurity. When David was alone and nobody was watching but God as he was watching his sheep. In his heart and mind, long before he ever made it to the battlefield to see Saul and Goliath, he was victorious against the lion and the bear. And now the odds are against him once again. The giant was too big. The problem was too large. The obstacles were way too tall. But David takes his sling and the stone, perfectly designed for him, and a straight shot and kills Goliath. He beheads the beast. Too many Christians play around with sin. Not David. He made certain that Goliath was dead, and he chops off his head. Don't mess with sin, church. Don't mess with the demonic. Stay away from Ouija boards. Stay away from tarot card reading and palm reading and things of that nature. There are games out there that you're watching and playing around with and things that Christians are doing. They're demonic. They're dangerous. Stay away from horoscopes. Oh, Pastor, I just read it every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays. You probably read it more than you read the Bible, some people. It's wrong. You open yourself up to demonic things. And become strongholds. And then you find yourself trapped. Purge sin. Cut it out of your life. Stop doing it. Cut it out in Jesus' name. Like David did. He used his enemy's own weapon against him. Beheaded Goliath. Champion of Gath. Now beheaded and killed. And this caused his enemy 
to flight. And David's success encouraged the others to flight. Israel joined the battle, gave chase to the enemies of God. It was a great victory that day. My desire here for this church and for us, as we hear these stories, is that we're encouraged. And that we encourage others to get involved, to do God's business, to get involved, to worship Him, and go out there and work for Him. And maybe you heard the story once. Maybe you heard the story 500 times, but you never take action. You never take those next steps. What good is it if these words, these stories, these things never, never cause you to, to be moved and motivated to do things for God and to take action to faith and to become an overcomer? Remember, if God is for you, who can be against you? Stand up to your giants, these trials, these strongholds, these troubles that keep you down and go forward in faith, trusting in the Lord, his words and his ways. Amen. Would you stand with me now? Let's just give God some shouts of glory and praise. It is finished. The battle is over. He has won. The victory is ours. Hallelujah. 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 Bless your name, oh God. We bless your name, oh God. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah.
church, I just pray that something stirs in your heart that you want to go out there and conquer those giants, those things that are bringing you down, Lord. And we just pray, oh God, for those giants, for those situations, oh God, that are overwhelming us, oh God, that are keeping us down, oh God. Lord, we pray for breakthroughs. We pray, Lord Jesus, for victories, oh God. We pray, Lord God, that we will be overcomers in you, oh God. Lord, we pray that your healing power will flow in this church and in these communities, Lord, Lord God. And those that are home and are sick, oh God, we're praying and believing for healing right now in the name of Jesus, oh God. So many are sick. So many have gone astray. So many are lost, oh God. But Lord, we pray that you will touch them, that you will reach out, that you will find them, oh God. That we will go out into the streets, Lord God, and we will find them as well, oh God. And that your spirit will move strong in this house and strong in this place and strong in our hearts, oh God. That we will have the victory, oh God. In Jesus' name, bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.